Good morning. Two Kings chapter four. Do you like being away from home? Yeah, you like going on holiday? Yeah, I like holidays. I'm looking forward to next week when I'm on holiday. Uh, my wife despairs of me because I don't like going away for holiday. You know, I, I like I like to sleep in my own bed at night. Yeah, and I like my own settee. Uh, and I like my own television and, and my own things around me and my own computer and so on. So, so my wife despairs that, that I don't like going away. I, I, I find holidays stressful, yeah, really stressful. I find the build-up to holidays stressful as well. In the passage that we read, Elisha, Elisha has returned to Gilgal. He's come home. Elisha has, has come home. He's been out on the road. Uh, if you read... The, the chapters previously, he's been out on the road, he's performed miracles in different places, he's been called up to stand before kings uh, and to, to tell kings what they need to do, um, he's been jeered at by youths, he's, he's had a tough time, uh, and uh, now he's come home, uh, and he's come home to, uh, to, to Bible college really, hasn't he, this is, this is where he's come home to, he's come home to Old Testament Bible college, he's with the sons of the prophets, He's their principal, he's in charge, he's come home, and, and I'm sure that they are delighted that, that Elisha has come back to them, to teach them. Uh, and I am sure that Elisha is also glad to be back. I am sure that they're all glad to be together because they decide to have a party. They decide to have a, a big meal, uh, a big meal in the biggest pot that they've got. So they get the biggest pot that they've got, uh, and they decide they're going to have a meal, and they're going to invite everybody to it. Yeah, this is a good time. Elisha has come home. They're all together. They're going to feast. They're going to enjoy. They're going to celebrate. They've got one problem. There's famine in the land. Okay, there is famine in the land. So they can't go to the local Tesco and buy everything that they want for the party. Okay, they can't do that. They have to go out and find it themselves. Now, I watch MasterChef sometimes. I probably think maybe that's strange, but I watch MasterChef. I enjoy it. I don't know how many of you watch MasterChef. Sometimes they send the contestants out, and they send them out to posh restaurants, don't they? Uh, and I, I love, when I go out to a restaurant, I love to have my laptop on and to get to the restaurant to see the menu, to see how much the food costs that they are actually making and cooking in that restaurant. Sometimes, um, there's this chap, Heston Blumenthal, yeah? You've seen him, he, he looks strange, doesn't he? And, and the things he does with food are very, very strange. But, but you can go to his restaurant, if you can afford it, uh, and, and you can have a meal there. And it costs, because I looked it up on the internet yesterday, £255, okay, for your meal. Now, now you can go to Rossi's for 50 times, yeah, for the amount that it costs you to go to, to Heston's meal, for, for one meal. It is a sample menu, okay, and, uh, and you, you, get, um, you get about 15 courses, okay, in this meal. But, but it's all sorts of weird stuff. I, it's, it's supposed to be art on the plate. My idea of art on the plate is, is a, a lump of chicken and a pile of chips. His idea of art on the plate is completely different, okay? Loads of different colors, loads of different things, and lots of things that have been foraged from the area around. So, you know, he goes out and he picks leaves and he picks flowers. Well, he doesn't, but somebody in his restaurant does, and they pick leaves and they pick flowers, and they, they dig in the ground and, and bring all sorts of things in from the restaurant around that you eat. I am sure that they are experts at doing it, okay? And I'm sure that if you went to his restaurant uh, and if you ate there, you wouldn't be ill 
by what you have eaten, because his reputation would suffer, wouldn't it? These people that, uh, that are in our passage, they're not as good as Heston's experts, okay? They go out, they look around, they forage for, for food, and they come back, and they bring things back that are not particularly good for you, okay? Sons of the prophets, they're good people. They're zealous for the things of God. Uh, Old Testament Bible College, they are useless when it comes to foraging for food, or at least some of them are, okay? Just because you're a Christian, just because you believe in God, it's not going to make you good at everything, is it? It is not. My, my daughter's car broke down yesterday, um, which, which she was upset about because she was hoping to go to Cardiff to see some friends. Uh, there's nothing at all whatsoever that I can do about it, okay? If I go and potch under the car, it will be worse by the time I finish than it is at the moment, okay? I got no idea at all. There's a red light on, there's a funny noise in the engine, you take it to a garage, yeah? You don't let me interfere with it. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't make you good at everything. These people, these are good people, but they're like me when it comes to foraging. I wouldn't dream of going out into the, into the forest or into the woods and collecting food and taking it home and eating it. Raspberries maybe, strawberries maybe, and that's about my limit, yeah? Nothing else. And these guys, they should have stuck with that as well. The men brought back things that they thought would be good to eat, and they put them in the pot for everyone to eat. Now, I can understand the, the single man that went and picked them. He didn't know what they were, so he picked them, and he took them back, and he said, I brought this stuff. What do you reckon? Do you think we should put it in the pot? I don't understand the rest of the people when they looked at it and they said, I don't know what it is, but we'll check it in anyway. Yeah? Doesn't make much sense to me. Anyway, the food was cooked and it was served and they ate it and they realized that there was something wrong and they shouted, Elisha, there's death in the pot. There is death in the pot. What do you fill in your life with? What do you fill in your life with? What's in your pot this morning? What do you fill in your life with? There are times where, when we fill our lives with all sorts of things that are not good for us. Now, there was a, a song when I was younger. Uh, I think it was Ian Dewey and the Blockheads. Um, and I only remember the one line of it, sex and drugs and rock and roll. Yeah, and, and that's it. I, I don't remember anything else about it. I remember some of his other songs, but, but that's the only bit I remember of that song. Yeah, sex and drugs and rock and roll. There are times when we eat too much uh, and we drink too much. And it's not good for us. Yeah, there are times like a, there are times when maybe we, we chase somebody who isn't our wife or our husband. Maybe there are times when we want to be like everybody else. Uh, and, you know, we, we want this sort of James Bond persona where we can go and sleep with anybody that we find attractive whenever we want to. Uh, and it doesn't cause us any harm. And we seem to have a good time over it. Uh, there are times when we may want promotion at work more than we want everything else. And we will do everything that we can to achieve that, including stepping on people and crushing them and making them feel small so that we can get what we want. And there are times when we do all of these sorts of things. There are times when we are not nice. No, there are times when we are not nice. I know people at work who, who are like this. Uh, they want to be recognized as the best in the workplace, uh, and they will do whatever they can to make everyone else feel small and for them to be the most important and to be the biggest and for everyone to look up at them. What will they do when they leave work? I wonder. What will they do when they leave work and there's, there's no sphere of influence that they have? 
uh, and there is no one to look up to them and no one that they can do this to, what will they do then? How will they find fulfillment in their lives? I'm sure you know somebody who, who fits in to this sort of description in some way. Yeah, maybe it is not you. Maybe you do not deliberately set out to do this. Maybe you set out to, to be as nice as you can. But what do you fill in your life with? The men in our passage, they didn't set out to put things in the pot that were going to be bad for them. Yeah, they were having a party. They wanted good things in that pot. They wanted to enjoy themselves. I am sure that you fill your life with things that are not bad for you. I am sure that you set out to fill your life with things that are good, things that are useful, things that will bring you happiness. What do you fill in your life with? See, a little while ago, I joined a camera club. Uh, and I joined a camera club because it gives me something to do that is totally unconnected with work. Yeah, it, it gives me something to do where, where it's not work-related at all in any way whatsoever. And uh, I, I like going off and wandering and taking photos. Uh, and taking photos isn't bad, is it? You know, but some people in the club uh, take all their identity from being the best photographer in the club. You know, and, and that's what they build their identity on, being the very best photographer in Morriston Camera Club. Now, being the best photographer in Morriston Camera Club is not the greatest achievement in the world, okay? Because you're competing against people like me, who, who, who's not very good, really, to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm told over and over again when I go there, you need to spend some time on Photoshop. And I think, yeah, but when I spend some time on Photoshop, you give me less marks than you do when I don't bother. So, you know, I'm not very good. So beating me isn't much, really. What will they do? What will they do when their eyes go bad and they can't go out and take a photograph that they used to take anymore? What are they going to do then? If, if that is all they've got in their lives, if that is where they're taking all their enjoyment from, all their value from, if that's, what's, if, if that's what makes them them, what are they going to do when they lose their eyesight or when their eyes go dim or when their feet are bad and they can't walk up the mountains that they walk up to take their photographs from? Some people put all their energy into their families. Uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying family life. I, I enjoy family life. But if all of your identity, if all of your joy, if all of your happiness just comes from your family, what are you going to do when your family isn't there anymore? What are you going to do when your family grows up and leaves home? What are you going to do if your family grows up and leaves home and moves to a different country? What are you going to do then? Um, Rebecca went to, my eldest daughter went to, um, went to South Africa uh, a year or two back uh, and she was there for three months uh, and, and my wife was concerned that she'd meet somebody in South Africa and stay there uh, and that's all she was worried about. Um, I don't know, what do you do if that is all you have got in your life? What do you do if that's all you've got in your life and your family die and leave you alone? What do you do then? Some people put all their energy into doing good things. Yeah? And they, they, they spend their lives helping others and doing good and trying to be the best that they can. What then? What about them? What will you do when you have to rely on others to help you instead? What will you do when you can no longer go and help somebody else? When you can no longer be a blessing to somebody else, but you have to sit there and you have to wait for somebody to bath you in the morning? before you can get out of bed. 
or you have to wait for somebody to take you to the toilet, what will you do then? The people in our passage ran to Elisha, and they cried out to him that there was death in the pot. The pot was harmful. There was something in there that wasn't good. The cry was, Elisha, do something about it. Elisha, you're a man of God. You can sort this out. Do something about it. Help us, please, Elisha. This is what they were shouting for. Elisha said to them, throw some flour in the pot. And suddenly the pot was fine. It was okay to eat. All the badness had been taken away. It was cured. How does that work? How does it work when there's, there's something in the pot that, that's, that's bad? There's death in the pot. And then you just throw a little bit of flour in. And suddenly everything is all right in the pot. Uh, I, I don't know. They don't do anything like this on MasterChef. You know, this is totally beyond the realm of, of anything that I've seen on MasterChef. I reckon God intervened. I reckon God intervened. I reckon God made it safe. I can't see how throwing a bit of flour into the pot is going to make the pot right. Yeah? God must have intervened. Somehow, some way, God intervened. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Whatever you have in your life, whatever you are building it on, whatever is in that pot that is your life, if Jesus is not there, if your life is not built on him, you have death in your pot. If Jesus isn't there, you have death in your pot. Whatever you are building your life on, Whatever good works you are trying to do, whatever kindnesses you are trying to show, if Jesus is not in your pot, if he is not your life, then you have death in your pot. Jesus is not just the way to life. Jesus is life itself. He is the life that you need. It is his life that you need credited to your account. Because his life is perfect it is spotless and if his life is not credited to your account whatever else you have got in there however many good things you have got in there it is going to be counted as being death in the pot one day we will all have to stand before god in judgment every single one of us none of us will escape every single one of us will stand before god in judgment and God will ask us what we have done, and we will give an account of our lives. Uh, and he will ask whether or not you have had anything to do with Jesus, and whether he has forgiven your sins. What will your answer be? You see, Jesus is like the flower in that pot. He makes right all the bad things. He puts right all your sin. He forgives it. So that when we stand before God, God looks on us and he sees the pure life of the Lord Jesus Christ and he sees us with our sins forgiven. When we stand before God on the last day, what will our plea be? What will our claim be to, to entrance into heaven? Will it be, look at all my good works, God. Look at all the good things I've tried to do. God will say, what about your sin? Have you had your sin forgiven? If you stand before God and say, God, Jesus is my hope. He is my life. He is my forgiveness. Then God will say, 
you got life in the pot. Welcome home, you good and faithful servant. Amen.